Hi, this is Jam D. Mateus, and you're listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 32 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I am your host, Rick Verbanis, and as always, I'm joined by my partner, my co-host, Bob Lucius. Bob, good nabin. <laughs> Rick, Rick, did you say 32? Is it like 3-2? Yeah. The big 3-2? Yeah. That's, uh, that's something. That's something, man. We're getting up there. Yeah. Holy cow. Well, we should have like a celebration when we get to like 50, right? It seems like there should be a wing in the, uh, what is it? The, the, the Library of Congress or something for these things to be stored away. We're getting. <laughs> yeah. To- <laughs> uh, I don't know. Hey, we made it to 32. That's not bad. And uh, yeah. considering <laughs> considering we don't, we don't really don't have any sponsors. <laughs> we're just, we're just, uh, you, you guys know, forking out the money, but, um, no, I take that back. You know, did you know we actually, cause we, we have, you know, listen, if, if people want to donate, we will not be shy. We're not going to say no. Um, because you know, we do, this does cost money and, and, uh, and it's coming out of bottom of my pocket, but, um, we do have two people, two people that uh are are donating and uh i you know who you are and bob and i thank you from the bottom of our heart yeah that's awesome uh, yep so uh we appreciate that you and, and listen if anybody wants to pitch in a buck or something like that you can go to our anchor page which is in the show notes that that url and um you know make a donation and at some point if we if we're, we've we stop hemorrhaging money well uh we're gonna probably get some more prizes that we want to give out in some more contests and um some giveaways as well so yeah yeah we definitely got to do some of those yeah yeah hopefully hopefully before we get to episode 50 yeah now speaking of episodes you know this this i am listen if you're listening right now get out a piece of paper and a pen and uh you're going to want to take notes because this is going to be like a uh, top 10 list of um, Captain America comic book fans podcast episodes. I'm going to reference many different things during this podcast, and you're going to want to go back and uh, take a listen to get the full story. So uh, keep that in the back of your mind. And the first one I'm going to mention is you really want to listen. If you haven't listened uh, to episode 29, which just came out a few weeks ago, um, that we went back and we looked at Captain America 168, which is the introduction of Helmet Zemo. And then today we're going to get into uh, a four episodes during the early 80s that brings back Zemo. And so it's a good reference. If you, if you haven't listened to that, that podcast, make sure you do, because um, it'll be a good reference to uh, what we're talking about today with bringing back Zemo. Um, and while we're, we're talking about uh, asking our listeners uh, to, to pitch in, um, you know what? We love reviews. We love reviews. And Bob, we got a new one. Yes. Uh, yeah, if you go to uh, Apple Podcast, you can go on there. You can give us a five-star review and maybe leave a comment. That would be lovely. We'd really appreciate it. And we got one uh, just the other day from, I don't know how to pronounce this. It's like Van Dyne, 
It's V-A-N-D-I-N-E-J-D. So uh, anyway, uh, they write, finally, exclamation point. There's finally a podcast dedicated to Captain America. As much as I love general comic podcasts that might have an episode or two dedicated to Cap, it's even better to have a whole podcast dedicated to the greatest Marvel character of all time. Why, thank you. And we agree. I like the sound of that. The greatest comic book character of all time. I mean, I can't disagree with that one bit. Yeah, well, he's certainly our favorite. Okay, so um, where are we covering today? We are covering uh, Captain America 275 to 279. Now, this came out in 1982. And Bob, we're getting back to my sweet spot. Yes, I know. I know. Uh, you know, we we haven't covered um, uh, Mike Zek. Uh, stories since uh, episode four. So if you guys are fans of Mike Zek and Damateus, the writer, you want to go back and listen to episode four, which was Deathlock Lives. And that's when we covered 286 to 289. But today we're back 28 episodes later, back to my sweet spot, my favorite time, my growing up uh, loving cap. And that is... Um, uh, a great story that uh, we're going to get into next. All right, Bob. So the, let's start with the cover to issue 275, because there's so many cool things I want to talk about on this cover. Now, if, uh, if you haven't, um, if, if you don't know your cap covers just by me mentioning the uh, issue number, uh, we'll cut you some slack. Okay. But this cover you should know because it is a awesome uh, image by John Beatty and, and um, uh, Mike Zek on pencils and John Beatty inks. And it's, it's from above Captain America looking down on him. And he's standing, uh, it looks like it'd be uh, some sort of concrete, but it's a yellow background. And he's holding his shield as he's being fired upon. And he's looking up uh, at the, uh, the viewer, uh, the person firing uh, with his fist raised and an angry face and in the in the concrete underneath his feet, you can see where all the bullets have hit because uh, of, of the uh, the marks in the concrete. You see the ricochets off the the shield and hitting the ground. It's a it's a dynamic, dynamic view. Oh yeah, oh that's I mean, and I love the way his his right fist is clenched, right? I mean, he, a lot of times you know you see the hand open, but he's got the clenched. <laughs> oh bob <laughs> you're just reaching now i am you know you know i'll tell you why though because i you know, i was a little confused right because i i like i was scanning through the issue and i was like is he looking up because i thought he was like i thought he was like leaping towards somebody uh I, I don't know I that I mean, was some possibly. sort of like window or something behind him possibly i mean the way his feet are yeah, they look a good set point. Yeah. 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 And you're right. He's got that red right fist up and, and he looks like he's like, get off my lawn. Yeah. He doesn't look happy. Right. He looks a little, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to use a bad word, but he looks a little PO'd. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I know. I, he does, he does look, tonight. Yeah. He does look angry. That's for sure. But all right. <laughs> some other really, really cool things about this cover. Uh, the logo. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in issue 274, we had, the classic red, white, and blue Captain America logo stretching across. But this one uh, is a uh, uh, a callback to 
Captain America comics number one from 1941. Um, so so they they brought back the old logo. Now the, there was one other time in the modern age they did this, which was Captain America 255, when which was like the anniversary issue with John Byrne. But now it's back, and it's been back, and it's back for a long time. So, so they brought back uh, the original logo from Captain America Comics number one. That's pretty cool, right? I don't know, Rick. You know, <laughs> see, I'm going to be controversial here. I'm going to say, you know, at first blush, like if you're walking by and you look at it, you go, "Hey, that's pretty cool." But like, try staring at it for like 10 or 30, 10 or 30 seconds. You know, it starts to get a little hard on the eyes. Man. Yeah, man, a little wonky. It is. It's a little, uh, it's one of those optical delusions. Right. Yeah. Because if, if, you, if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, it says Captain America, Captain's uh, on top of uh, America. And then it's got this like little 3D effect going behind it. And it's, uh, you know, has different coloring. And now in this particular issue uh it has white with a uh, a light blue background which is the same color as uh captain america's uniform um so <clears throat> yeah it's pretty cool now here's the other cool thing about this okay in the corner we changed from the jack kirby captain america logo to one that was designed by john um, one that was designed by mike zek and inked by john Beatty, and it's it's uh, Cap with the shield in his left hand, uh, and he's leaping. So he's got his right leg extended, his left leg bent. He's got his right arm up, his left arm out with the shield. Uh, it's it's a really cool pose, and it's he's got uh, a star behind him. I I you know this this logo just screams my childhood, you know, yeah. my adolescence. I I yeah. love this logo. This belongs not just on a T-shirt. It, it it really is like a tattoo you you know put all across your back. I mean, I'll tell you like... where it belongs, Bob. It belongs on my wall. I know. <laughs> I know the guy who owns the original art of this. You don't say, really. I do, and he also knows that uh, if he ever goes to to get rid of it, if he ever goes to sell it, that he he has to contact me first. Um, because uh, I would love to have that uh, in a nice little frame up on my wall. Yeah. All right. So that's the cover. Um, and we already kind of mentioned the creative team. Um, it's written by J.M. DeMatteis, uh, penciled by Mike Zek, inked by John Beatty, colored by Don Warfield, lettering by John Morelli, and uh, editor. Guess who the editor was? Mark Grunewald. Yeah. Yep. So, um, so that's a, a really, really cool team. Now, all right, you've got your paper and pen out. Um, if you want to hear a great conversation with the writer, J.M. Damateus, you need to go and uh, listen to episode 13. And so in episode 13, we have a nice conversation with uh, Damateus. And we talk uh, not only, you know, uh, I mean, about his entire uh, cap run, um, but specifically, we get into these issues, too. So um, highly recommend that. Okay. Let's get in to the first page. Now, the first page um, we have, it's really cool. It's, um, it's a yellow wall, and you see parts of Captain America coming through the wall. And uh, he uh, is, he, he looks 
like a man on a mission, shield first. And he's, he's coming through this, this yellow wall. And he, he only, again, only parts of his body, most of his torso, his right knee, his, his right hand. Uh, and of course he's left with a shield. So it's a really, it's a really interesting um, image. And it reads, <clears throat> witness an astounding sight, a red, white, and blue garbed figure walking through a wall. But when the wall is in the Manhattan headquarters of the ultra-secret government agency called S.H.I.E.L.D., and the figure in question is a legendary Captain America, perhaps it's not so astounding after all. And the title to the story, Yesterday's Shadows. And so he is entering a S.H.I.E.L.D. base, and so some S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, uh, soldiers you know, come to meet him. And we have a, a, a lady saying, Captain, we've been expecting you, but is something wrong? You look perplexed. No, Miss Runciter, I'm fine. It's just that I'll never get used to that holographic projection disguising the entrance to the S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters. I guess I miss the old days when you had to go to get in here was a quaint little barber shop. Pick your favorite chair and get lowered away. Remember those? Some of the uh, older uh, issues, that's, what, that's how you got into the S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters going to the barbershop. So Runciter says, the old days are gone, I'm afraid. You must admit, this is more efficient. So they keep telling me. At any rate, how goes the investigation? Slow. We've been running tests on the remain, remains of the creature that attacked you a few weeks ago, and that would be in episode 270. And frankly, we're baffled. It's like nothing we've come across before. It seems to be alive somehow, even in that melted state. But don't ask me what kind of life. We think that vermin character attacked you later the same night holds the key to this. And so what they're looking at is um, a, 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 a large, large tube. Uh, and inside it is like this pinkish, purplish looking material. It's uh, almost like uh, dirt or mud, clay. And it's, uh, it's huge. And Cap says, I hear he's been less talkative. Um, while I've got you here, Miss Runciter, there's something I have to say. A while back, when, when you were running a psychic scan on me, I was extremely rude to you, and I want to apologize. You see, I was under quite a bit of pressure at the time, and it's all right, Captain. I understand. He's referencing uh, issue 268. I'm sure it's not easy being you. Oh, that sounded dumb, but I think you know what I mean. I do indeed, Miss Runciter. Call me Gail. Gail it is. And so they're walking away from each other. He smiles back at her. She smiles back at him. And all of a sudden we get some thought bubbles. She's like, of such conversations, friendships are born. And who knows what else? There, there, Gail. Let's not get carried away. Besides, you've got a lot of work to do. Work that's important to Cap. You know, Rick, I got to say, you know, when I was a kid reading these, I don't remember Cap or any, you know, there's a lot of superheroes that had a lot of love interest, but I don't remember Cap being as much of a ladies man as he was, you know, but when I go back and I read them now, I'm like, like there's constantly like some sort of tension going on mm -hmm. between, you know, Cap and some lady. Yeah, well, apparently, you know, uh, you know the uh, they uh, he he that is America's ass. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. God bless him. I'm glad, bless that one. He's, 
Yeah, you got to have a lot of stamina. Ah, super stamina. All right. So let's keep going. Um, she's, she's thinking to her, herself as she's getting into this room where um, there's these two men seated and they're looking through a, a glass mirror. Um, and she, she's still thinking, but he is adorable, isn't he? <laughs> she says, hiya, Sandy. How's our guest? And one guy says, nuts. And the other guy says, hardly a fair assessment, Sanderson. Oh, yeah? Then how would you describe him, Doc? And then we see that they're watching um, Vermin. Now, for, for people who don't remember Vermin, um, he was a half-man, half-rat creature that Demetrius created. Um, and uh, you may know him, if you, if you haven't read you know, all the cap issues, you may know that he, he kind of got a little bit more popular when um, Demetrius used him in the hunt, uh, uh, Craven's Last Hunt uh, versus Spider-Man. But um, so he's on his knees and he's praying. And, and the doctor says, Vermin is a tortured soul whose life has dealt him severe and unusual psychological blows, not the least of which has been his transformation into a creature, half man and half rodent. Oh, masters, you said you wouldn't abandon me. In other words, Doc, he's nuts. Please don't leave me here with all these crazy, crazy, crazy people, please. Elsewhere in the S.H.I.E.L.D. complex, so Cap walks into uh, a room, and there we have uh, Arnie uh, sitting by the side of Michael. Um, his, and they keep referring to uh, as his roommate. But um, uh, while it was never, like, I guess said, um, you know, Demetrius admitted that, you know, this, this was a gay couple, um, which probably was a first in Marvel Comics. And so um, there's Arnie Roth. Now, again, if you didn't uh, uh, listen to the Demetrius interview, um, Arnie was a childhood friend of Steve Rogers. Now, this is more believable because, again, this was written in 1982 and, you know, 40 years later. So Arnie's going to be, you know, in his 50s, right? Uh, maybe even late 50s. And, uh, you know, he's... He's uh, a heavy man, balding, um, but he figured out that Captain America was Steve because he could, you know, tell by looking at him that it was his his childhood friend. So um, he approached him uh, several issues ago, and and there have been some problems. Now, what what happened was, and I was it issue two seventy, I think. Um, <laughs> Arnie Arnie's uh, um, partner uh, Michael his consciousness was put into a some sort of um uh mutate and fought cap um and somehow he was safe but he, he but he, he's recovering from that so that's where he is he's at the shield headquarters he's in a hospital bed recovering and arnie's by his side and cap says hope i'm not interrupting anything cap hey it's great to see you buddy same here arnie how's michael oh i'm fine for a guy who's had his mind sucked out, put into the body of whatever that was that almost killed you and Arnie. Do you feel up to talking about it, Michael? There's not much to tell. The memories are all jumbled. I can recall being kidnapped, a maniac's voice taunting me. Then it all gets swept away in a red haze. It's as if my mind reverted to some atavistic state. I guess that's when I was inside the beast. The only thing I could clearly latch onto 
as the sound of Arnie's voice. He brought me out of it, somehow. Pulled me back into my own body. Well, try not to get too worked up about it, Michael. You just let the S.H.I.E.L.D. doctors take care of you? We'll get to the bottom of this. Believe me. You know, Arnie told me all about you, Cap. How you two were best of friends when you were kids. What a good person you are. I'm glad to see that he wasn't exaggerating. Thank you, Michael. Your roommate is one heck of a good guy, too. Now relax, and don't worry, okay? Hey, uh, Cap? Yes, Arnie? You're the greatest, old buddy. The greatest! And he gives him a thumb up and a big smile. So, later, for freelance artist Steve Rogers, life's greatest pleasures are the small pleasures denied his star-spangled alter ego, like this leisurely return from grocery shopping with his lady, Bernie Rosenthal, and his landlord, Anna Kappeldahm. So here they are holding groceries, walking down the street in Brooklyn. And Bernie says, Anna, you've had the sly grin in your face all afternoon. It must hurt by now. Bernie's right, Anna. If you keep it up, you might split your face clean in half. Can I help it if I feel marvelous? I've been waiting for you two to finally realize how much you mean to one another. And now that it's happened, well, I'm so happy I could sing. Oh, really? Do you know Penny's from heaven? Don't encourage her, Steve. I've heard her voice. It's a cross between Tiny Tim and a dying coyote. Go ahead, joke. But when it comes time to invite me to the wedding, don't be surprised if... Oh, my God. And she has this look of horror on her face. In the next panel, uh, there we are outside of uh, a synagogue. And on the the front doors to the synagogue is this red spray-painted swastika. And there's some uh, boards on the ground, and there's people around the door. And um, it reads, The bag of groceries tumbles from Anna's slender arms. The color blanches from her face. The sparkle dies in her eyes. For there, sloppily spray-painted on the door of Community Temple Bethar, is one symbol that has haunted her dreams down through the years that turns today's confident woman into a terrified child of yesterday. A Nazi swastika. Who in heaven would do such a thing? If you had lived as through Dabenwald, Stephen, you would not have to ask. Rabbi Kessler, oh, Rabbi, when did this happen? Last night, Anna, vandals broke in, assaulted the caretaker, and spread their poison. Most of their work was pure maliciousness, toppling pews, smashing windows, but I'm afraid they also stole our Torah. Torah? a handwritten scroll containing all our holy books, but taking it so pointless, so cruel. All of these Nazi animals are cruel, Bernie. Anna, this is Steve. This is a random incident, and I doubt if Nazi animals had anything to do with it. Most likely, it was a gang of stupid, destructive kids with time on their hands and no brains in their heads. I'm afraid I must disagree with you, my friend. These incidents are far from random. They've been on the upswing in America desecration of temples and Jewish cemeteries, a resurgence of anti-Semitic groups. Gewalt, look at this place, just look! Even if it was just a gang of kids, Steve, doesn't the fact that this is one of their idea of fun say something about what's being been going on? Exactly, and I'll bet all the publicity that Nazi rally out on Long Island has gotten helped inspire this. Ach, they should lock those monsters and throw away up the key. And so Steve's helping clean up inside the 
the temple. I agree that these neo-Nazis are a vile breed, but if we deny them their rights, where do we draw the line? Who decides which beliefs are acceptable and which aren't? A free society has to allow all ideas, both noble and ignoble, freedom of expression. Right, and we're going to express ourselves right back at them. That's why there's going to be a counter-rally against the Nazi group, Steve. Everyone from our building is going. I've been meaning to tell you about it, but we've been too busy floating on air, right? I'd like to go, Bernie, but I've got a lot of important business to take care of the next few days. Well, you do have freedom of choice in the matter. Well, she doesn't look too happy. <laughs> no, no, she has the hands on the hips. That's a, that's a clear uh, sign. Yeah, she's got that. The international language. Yes. Interlude number one. Now, I'll say this about Demetrius. He loves his interludes. He loves doing these interludes, whether it's full page, half page. He loves putting in another part of the story, and he loves telling you it's an interlude. <laughs> so here we are, and there's a, uh, a costume-masked person sitting in the dark holding a black-and-white photo. And it's a photo of a, of a, a, a father uh, and a mother and a, a small child. He sits in the shadows, staring at the faded family portrait, memories of innocence playing across his mind. He sits in the shadows, feeling the hate seething in his gut, bubbling up, forcing words from his lips. He sits in the shadows and speaks in a soft, hideously certain voice. Captain America must die. Interlude ends. Interlude two. Yesterday's shadows dog everyone, and swirling within those shadows are visions of loves lost, horrors endured, joys experienced. Some shun those yesterdays, some pine for them, and some try desperately to recreate them. So it's nighttime and we're outside this uh, older house. And it's, uh, and you can hear the shouts from inside. Just as the blacks must be sent back to Africa, the Jews must be sent to Israel. Is there any other sane path? And we look inside and it's a bunch of white guys that are dressed in uh, Nazi militant gear in these olive drab and up on the mantle behind the guy speaking, it's a huge photo of Adolf Hitler. And he says, we must separate the races. We must improve the white man's lot. We've carried the weight of Zionist lies long enough. How many more fables about an imagined Holocaust must we listen to? There was no Holocaust. We know that if there was death in the German work camps, it was because of the disease. If there was crematoriums, it was to stop the spread of the disease by burning the bodies of the dead. It's time we made the world aware of this truth. It is time. It is time. And somewhere in the black heart of yesterday's shadow, where evil drifts undying, there is laughter as they focus on the face of Adolf Hitler in the picture. Interlude 2 ends. Interlude 3. So here we are uh, in Harlem, and the Channel 2 news van is there and, and some other reporters, and we're outside of a, uh, of a church, and it says, 
They flocked to this small Baptist church in the center of Harlem from every newspaper and television station in the city. Cameras whir and click. Reporters' pens dance through bent notebooks. As Samuel Wilson, no more popularly as Captain America's ex-partner, the Falcon, takes a trembling step into a new life. And there's Sam up at the, uh, the podium. And so I'm declaring myself a candidate for Congressman Martin Alva's seat in the House of Representatives. He'd be less nervous if he were facing a room full of supervillains. Then, at least, he'd be on familiar ground. But his sister Sarah is there beside him, as is his campaign manager, Carol Davis. And this is something he wants to do with all his heart. So he forgets his nerves, and he plunges ahead. I think it would be simpler if I just opened the floor to questions. Mr. Williams of the Daily Bugle? Yes. You've said very little about your dual life as the Falcon, Mr. Wilson. Not much to say. I was never what you'd call a big fish in the superhero pond, and I feel I could help my people more directly, more constructively, by speaking for them in Washington. I see. But do you really believe that the people are going to elect a former criminal? Criminal? You were the focal point of a highly publicized trial a few years ago, weren't you? Snap. And this was uh, the trial of... of um, of Sam Wilson in issue 191. Now you listen here, mister. That trial is public record. I was cleared of all charges by a federal court, and he looks flustered. He looks angry. The past is dead, man. Dead and buried. Most folks around here don't even know I'm that Sam Wilson. All they know is that I care about them. All they know is, and his campaign manager comes up to the the uh, microphone. Uh, I think that's all we're going to have time for, gentlemen. We've got some refreshments in the rear if you're interested. Most of the reporters go for the donuts and coffee. Most. And then we have Peter Parker, who was there for the Daily Bugle uh, to take photos. And he, uh, he says to the reporter, what's eating you, Williams? You came down a little hard on him, didn't you? Too easy, if you ask me. I don't buy that past is dead rap from Nazi war criminals, and I'm not buying it from upstanding citizen Sam Wilson. He was slime back then, and he's slime now. And one way or another, Parker, I'm going to nail that sucker's butt to the wall. Interlude three ends. Now, I am going to uh, just pause here. So um, over the next several issues, uh, there's a backup story in each one of these comics uh, by Demetrius Zach and Beatty, and it is a um, Sam Wilson story that explores where this story goes, and it's the uh, story of uh, Snap Wilson, and and it's a retelling, Rick retconning, if you will, of Sam Wilson's origin. Now, if you've got that pen and paper handy. You're going to want to go to listen to episode 14 of the podcast because we dive deep into the origin of the Falcon. And we talk about uh, issue 117. Um, we, 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 dive, we go a little bit further, as I mentioned, issue 190 when he was uh, you know, being on trial. And then we, we, uh, we cover these back uh, stories uh, in these issues. So if you want to hear those, I highly recommend um, you go into our deep dive of the origin of Falcon in episode 14. So here we are. We've got um, Steve Rogers in a suit, uh, a business suit, holding his portfolio. And it's Midtown Manhattan later that week. 
and he's going into uh, the Bennett advertising firm. And he's thinking to himself, between Avengers meetings and the S.H.I.E.L.D. investigation, I almost forgot about these preliminary schedules I have to drop off at Bennett Advertising. And considering the impoverished state of my bank account, I can't afford to let this job slip away. Good afternoon, Mr. Bennett. I hope you're feeling stuff it, Rogers. You're two days late with these. I may have been impressed with your samples, but your professionalism leaves a lot to be desired. And here he is uh, sitting behind the, the desk. He's got a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. And he grabs them. But all of a sudden, his expression changes. Hey, these are good. Very good. Learn how to meet a proper deadline, Rogers, and we might just have a place for you here at Mr. Bennett. Arthur Grossman just called. He's on his way over to discuss our handling of his account. Grossman? You call that old Jew back and tell him he'll come over when I want him to come. Rogers? And Steve, he looks mad again. And he's taking the art that he brought to Bennett to show him, and he's ripping it in half. Good heavens, man, what are you doing? I keep thinking we rid the world of people like you 40 years ago, Bennett, but you just showed me I was wrong, and he storms out. And Bennett thinks to himself, we? Funny, he doesn't look Jewish. I think Dan Mateus was having a little fun there. Yeah, I do, but it's also heavy stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is heavy stuff in this issue and uh, on a number of different levels. I mean, he's not pulling any punches as a writer. This is, I mean, you know, we're, uh, we're in our hundreds, you know, but uh, think you were a kid reading this and I was a kid reading this, right? Right. This is heavy stuff for kids. It really was. So here it is Saturday afternoon, Robert Moses State Park, Long Island. And there they are. It's a, uh, they're in the park. And there's a bunch of protesters, uh, and there's a stage set, and they're holding signs, Nazi slime, uh, remember the six million, and so on. This is, at the moment, the police and the media outnumber the anti-Nazi protesters that have begun to assemble here. But the police have often seen such deceptively calm proceedings turn quickly into bloodbaths. As for the media, they're not beyond hoping that it will. And so here we are. We've got uh, Steve with Bernie uh, on his arm and uh, their landlady and a couple of friends, and they're all walking. And uh, um, so the landlady says, so tell me, Stephen, what made you change your mind about joining us? I just realized that it pays sometimes to remind people of yesterday's follies before they become today's realities. I knew I could count on you, Steve. A man with your ideals and old-fashioned values just couldn't turn away from something that is, all right, sweetheart, just hold it right there. And someone comes behind Bernie and grabs him and says, she says, who in the world? Sammy. And she has a big smile on her face. And um, and uh, there's, a, there's a guy there um, who, who's got uh, uh, a yellow shirt on and uh, he's got a yarmulke. And he's grabbing her from behind, says, you're expecting Yasser Arafat? How you doing, gorgeous? I see your eyes still sparkle as much as ever. Anna, Steve, Josh, Mike, I'd like you to meet the man from the Jewish Protection Organization who planned this protest, Sammy Bernstein. A pleasure, folks. I hope you don't mind if I borrow Bernie a minute. It's been too long since I spent time alone with my ex-wife. And his 
Steve, Steve has his look of shock on his face. And so do all his friends. And one at a time, they're like, his ex-wife? Steve, you want to take a walk, get a soda or something? No, Josh, but thanks. His ex-wife? As Steve Rogers ponders that mind-numbing bit of news, a muted buzz begins to waft through the crowd. All eyes lock onto the stage, where the purveyors of a chillingly banal evil have made their grand entrance. And there they are, the guys from inside the, the house with their uh, Nazi gear on, with a big, huge Nazi flag behind them. They come walking onto the stage with a kind of a Sieg Heil uh, motion. And for most, the reaction is hot rage. From others, cool bewilderment. Why, Steve says to himself, why, there are only a handful of them. If there had been no counter-rally, the news media probably would have ignored them. We're handing these fools free publicity. Geez, it's like using a herd of elephants to stomp a few fleas. And that's when Sammy says, these fleas, my friend, are carriers of a planet-wide disease that, given time, will infect us all. A disease that must be eliminated. Steve says, those are fairly violent sentiments. No more violent than the monstrous sentiments he espouses. And there he is, the guy on the stage. This nation is called the land of the free. But does that mean we should grant freedom to every worm that crawls up from the ground? Does that mean that the blacks, with their delusions of equality, and their Jews, with their myth of the six million Holocaust victims, should be allowed to walk beside us on the street to teach our children, control what we read in the newspapers and see on television? I say no. It's time the superior white race prayed for salvation, secure in the knowledge that God does not hear the prayers of a Jew, and then and he gets hit in the head with a bottle. And Steve looks upset, and he says, "What? An, are they crazy? Throwing things like that? Bernie, you, you said this was going to be a peaceful demonstration. It was supposed to be, Steve. Well, from the look of things, it's not going to stay that way. And sure enough, um, the, the Jewish Protection Organization starts trying to get up on the stage, and the police are holding them back. Your friend Sammy is doing a masterful job of whipping his, his group into a frenzy. Look, they've broken through the police barricades. They're out for blood. And sure enough, Sammy gets on the stage. You're going to get what you deserve, slime. Try it, Jew boy. I've had my fill of guys like you. All my life, you've pushed me around, beat me out of jobs, treated me like dirt, but no more. Meanwhile, many miles away, the costume figure that was looking at the photo before is now looking at a video screen of the fight. Interesting. This insecure, self-styled fear may prove useful to us. But that is not our major concern, eh? It is that flag-bedraped killer we must see to. And then from the shadows, it looks like we've got Arnim Zola. And Arnim says, No doubt he will soon put on that accursed costume and attempt to stop the riot. No doubt. But while he does that, we will be starting a riot of our own. And he pushes a button. And remember that... Um, that orange, uh, that uh, purple pinkish clay that was in that huge vial, well, it starts to stir in the Shields headquarters. 
and it grows. Something that quivers, undulates, grows, explodes, and it grows so big it bursts out of the glass tube. And the, uh, the guards are like, what in holy heaven? It's that mass of muck. It somehow reformed itself. It's alive. And um, Vermin, who, who was before uh, in that room being watched, he starts hopping around on the table, off the wall. Oh, masters, hear you calling to me. I knew you would not abandon Vermin. There's so much more I can do for you. So many I can kill. If you only set me free and and the um the uh the mutate busts through uh, the the wall and uh frees vermin vermin jumps on his back to be carried away because he's that big what's that masters yes i hear you we let no one nothing stand in our way we will tear down this entire building crush everyone within it in order to bring you the ones you so desperately want they're headed for the medical facilities. We gotta stop them, but the, uh, the shooting doesn't do anything. Stop them? How? This thing's a freaking murder machine. And then Michael and Arnie are in the room, and they hear the clam. And, and Arnie says, "Sounds like there's something wild going out there in the hall. I hope it's not trouble." Never happy unless you're worrying, are you, Arnie? I'm sure they're just running some kind of drill, and. Busting through is the the mutate with uh, vermin on his back. Uh oh. All right, so we're back at Long Island at the park. Come on, Anna, let's get going before things get even hairier. Blast! I should have known this would end up like those demonstrations Bernie took me to back in college. Hey, hold on a minute, Mike. I've lost sight of Bernie and Steve. Steve, where are you? Oh no, the crowd swept us apart. Please, God, I hope he's not hurt. Hurt? He's not. Angry? He is. And there's Steve in the uh, in the alley uh, pulling off his, his shirt, and underneath is his Captain America uniform. I hated to duck out on Bernie like that, but I've got to do something to put an end to this senseless violence. Doesn't it ever stop? Must men always find themselves at one another's throats like this, repeating history's tragic errors? Well, maybe I can't change human nature, but I can certainly change this. And here he is in full garb, going through the crowd at quick speed. All of you, listen to me. This can't go on. His shouts are lost in the tumult. But what need are words to a living legend whose very presence can freeze men in their tracks? Like a red sea of flesh before a modern-day Moses, the crowd still grows still and parts. Didn't you hear me? I said enough. And he jumps up on the stage and there's Sammy against the uh, the head Nazi. And they both say at the same time, Captain America. The two leaders back away from this towering figure and watch, silent, awestruck, as he throws back his shoulders, clears his throat, and begins to speak. All my life, I've had a habit of making speeches. Some people have criticized me for it. They may be right, because I cannot express with words the horror I am feel at seeing what you've done here today. Don't you realize in your attack, you've attacked your own freedom as well? The freedoms that guarantee all ideals, both noble and ignoble. 
the expression that is imperative in our society to the expression that is imperative in our society is to survive. So in the crowd, Bob, you got Bernie there, and she's recognizing those same words that Steve had mentioned earlier. And she's thinking to herself, what he's saying sounds so familiar. And uh, Cap grabs um, Sammy. You, can't you see that in stooping to your enemy's level, you're being made over in his image? That you're becoming the very thing you loathe? And then he grabs the Nazi. And you, and he pulls him closer. In your fear and ignorance, you deny reality, rewrite history. I wish I could take you back with me to the day we liberated Dybenwald. Am I pronouncing that right? Dybenwald? Well, it doesn't matter because it's, it's, it's made up anyway. And this oh. is a, a made up uh, uh, death camp. I, I think it's Dybenwald. Yeah. Okay. I wish I could take you back with me to the day we liberated Dybenwald. Let you smell the stomach-turning stench of death. Let you see the mountains of corpses left behind by the corrupt madmen and murderers you idolize. And Bernie's thinking to herself, that that voice, it can't be. You two aren't interested in the truth, are you? And they they both attack him. Liar, self-righteous scum. And he just gets out of the way and they fall off. You're only interested in your own self-consuming hate. He jumped back so quickly, we're going to fall. Two of a kind. One door slams shut. Another one opens and at that point we see bernie holding her face with a look of shock oh my dear god steve rogers is captain america dun 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 to be continued good stuff that's good stuff there's a lot going on dreaming of a better sleep tossing and turning is not your destiny and Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. All right, let's get to issue 276. <clears throat> and on the cover, it's a creepy cover. It's, I never really liked this cover, not because I didn't like the art, but it always creeped me out because you got Captain America um, in a crowd, a swarm of these yellow mutates. They're all bald, um, hairless. They they all appear to be, you know, they're not wearing any clothes um, and they're completely yellow except for their red eyes. So they're very eerie looking. And there's a you know dozen of them, if not more, swarming over him, and he's almost like being swallowed in the crowd uh, as he's uh, falling back, and he's got a look of fear on his face. Uh, this one has um, the same um, uh, credit uh, of Demetrius, Zach Beatty, Morelli, and Mark Runewald, but uh, this time it's joined by colorist bob sharon and the name of this title is turning point his name is captain america and although he doesn't know it his life is about to reach a critical turning point 
and he's uh, so we're, we're right where we left off. And he's um, talking to um, uh, the police. You and your men did a good job with those rioters, Sergeant. You kept your heads and avoid pushing those JPO people any further than you had to. Uh, and the JPO is that uh, Jewish Protection Organization. Hey, if anyone saved the day, it was you, Cap. The ways you talked to those guys made them see that trying to stop on those Nazi nutcases was just a waste of time. Uh, but we do have a little problem. What's that? The two leaders, that JPO guy, Bernstein, and that Nazi crackpot with the shifty eyes, they managed to take off while my men were making arrests. And uh, we see the aforementioned Nazi leader, and he's got a, a pistol in his hand. And he's like, so, that stupid Jew got away too. Probably hiding in the bushes somewhere. But not me, not Harry Todd. Captain America humiliated me in front of my followers. And by God, he's going to pay for that. And he comes around the corner and he swings the pistol. And he says, Captain, um, and before he can finish saying America, Cap turns, slings the shield, hits him in the head, knocks him out. Smack. And there's Sammy. Nice reflexes. You nailed him so fast, I hardly saw it. But don't worry, I don't carry a gun. Bernstein, so you came back. And the police officer says, I don't believe it. I saw it, but I don't believe it. I didn't run, Captain. I just needed time to think. You showed me an ugly side of myself today. I've been so blinded by hatred for Todd's ilk that I almost became a brother to them. I won't let that hatred consume me again, Captain. I promise you that. And the cops taking him away, cuffed. Yeah, yeah, tell it to the judge. Bernie, I'll meet you at the police station, Sam. There's something important I have to take care of. Her name is Bernadette Rosenthal, and she's Sam Bernstein's ex-wife. She's also deeply involved with freelance artist Steve Rogers. And so she walks up to Cap, and she puts her hand on his arm. Captain America, who just might happen to be the man behind Captain America's mask which explains the shield slinger's hesitancy as Bernie edges toward him. Yes, miss. Uh, what can I? And then she takes her hand and she looks him straight in the eye and touches his chin. And he, he sees the look of recognition. And he says, she knows as she walks away. Interlude. And here we are uh, at a uh, office building. And it says, listen up, gentlemen. And we're at the Coalition for an Upstanding America. We've been racking our brains about this new campaign, trying to hit that nebulous sometime, something that will touch the American psyche in all the right places. Well, I think I've got one. Got one? Got what, MacArthur? So there's a bunch of you guys sitting around a round table, smoking, drinking, and uh, they're having a meeting. But this uh, this guy, MacArthur, uh, has um, a tripod there with um, an artboard, but it's covered so you can't see what's underneath. And he says, a spokesman whose very presence on our billboards and TV spots will assure people that the coalition is more than some collection of uptight kooks and religious fanatics. Gentlemen, I give you Captain America. And he lifts up the uh, the cover and it says, and there's a picture of Cap 
And it says America as it once was. America as it could be again. Interlude ends. So we get to the next page, and it's dusk. And there's uh, Steve in uh, his civvies. And he's walking with his hands in his pocket on the street to the apartment complex. And he, he looks down. He wanders alone through the streets of Brooklyn Heights, confused, heartsick, and more than a little afraid. To walk in that door, to walk up those stairs, would mean a confrontation he just isn't certain he could bear. And he stands there with his foot on the step, of, of, and he looks up at the apartment complex. He weighs his options. And as he's looking up, Bernie is looking out the window. And Cap just puts his head down, his hands in his pocket, and he turns away. He chooses retreat. And just then, Bernie comes bursting out the front door. Steve, wait, wait. And by the way, just want to point out, Bob, that particular page we just went through, which is a very nice, quiet moment, and I think a very tender moment, and shows a side of Steve that we don't normally see. Uh, I was very fortunate enough uh, to, to get that. Not a few months ago. So I actually own that page, uh, which, you know, as a big Cap fan and a big Zek fan, I was very excited to get. So she says to, to Steve, I can't believe you were going to walk away like that. To tell you the truth, Bernie, I can't believe it either. I guess I was scared. You were scared? And they start walking on the sidewalk. Steve, you're who you are. What have you got to be scared of now? Me? I'm shaking in my little fry boots, but why? My God, Steve, it isn't easy realizing that your boyfriend is a flesh and blood legend. No, I, I suppose it isn't. Don't worry, Bernie. I can understand why you want to end our relationship now. I think, what are you talking about? My mind may be boggled to the nth degree, but you're still Steve Rogers, still the man I love. Why in the world would I want to end what we have? My love for you is too special, Steve. Maybe now it's more special than ever. Unless, of course, you feel you can't trust me with your secret. Of course I trust you, Bernie, but I, I, I thought, I mean, what about Sammy, your ex-husband? That's just what he is, Steve. Ex. We're good friends, and that's all. Then why did you ever tell me about him? My marriage was a very painful time in my life, Steve. I just wasn't ready. I... And he moves in closer, and her voice trails off as their eyes lock, and she pulls him close, and they're about to kiss. But then, Steve Rogers, someone yells, Runciter? What is it? What's wrong? It's the shield agent, Runciter, but she's in her civvies coming out of a car. I'm sorry to interrupt, Steve, but we've got trouble at the shop. The boss needs to see you, fast. But I... Bernie says, it's all right, Steve, you go ahead. Are you sure, Bernie? You bet. And then let's move. And she, as he's pulling off in the car, she kind of looks up and kind of like, oh boy, what have I got myself into? So soon at SHIELD headquarters, um, they're reviewing the video of what happened earlier. And it's the the mutate grabbing um, Arnie and, and Michael. Not a pretty sight, is it? That thing just plowed through our guys and snatched your two pals away without working up a sweat. 
and he took that crumb of vermin with him. And this is Nick Fury speaking. And Dum Dum is behind uh, with the video camera. But Cap's mad. Fury, I entrusted S.H.I.E.L.D. with Arnie and Michael's safety. How could you let this happen? How? Hey, Cap, come on, cool off. We got 15 agents laid up in the hospital now, and I don't care about your agents. And keep your sticking hands off me, Fury, before I forget your, your... Listen, Nick, I apologize, but you've got to understand. Arnie Roth was the closest friend I ever had. If he and his roommate are in trouble now, it's, it's because Arnie knows that Steve Rogers is Captain America. Uh, look, Cap, this showed up here for you today. I think you might find it interesting. I sincerely doubt it, Dugan, and he hands him an envelope. Quit sulking and take a look at it, winghead. If it's another presidential commendation, Nick, I'm really not interested. And he opens it up, and it says, You were courageously invited to save the life of Arnold Roth. And Cap says, Who? And he crumples the paper. That's what we aim to find out, Cap. We can wire you up with an indetectable bug. And then when you make contact with this creep, we, we do nothing, Fury. This is a personal matter, and I'll handle it alone. Understand? Alone. And he storms off. Ronsitter, you've been bugging me about getting out of the labs and back into the field, so here's your chance. I want them tailed. But Colonel, Cap said that I heard what he said. Now this is what I'm saying. Tail him or you're out of a job. Oh, that fury. There's no middle ground for Fury, you know? It's uh, He's all on or off, you know? I know. All right, so here it is in the evening, South Bronx, 10.46 p.m. And uh, Cap is up on top of a building. He's uh, looking. And um, I'm guessing there was an address on that piece of paper. I don't know. Um, but he seems to know where to be. <clears throat> and he's thinking to himself, this is not the best frame of mind to be in before embarking on a case. Every shadow seems unfriendly. Every city light looks like it's mocking me. What the devil is wrong with me? I've saved the world a dozen times over and always kept my head. So why do I feel so out of control tonight? Who am I kidding? I know why. Saving the world is one thing, but this is one man's life on the line. One solitary man who means a lot to me. Who, and then coming through a door, creaking, uh, is a man in a trench coat and a hat. So we really can't see him especially in this lighting he hears the distant tread of feet on the stairs and freezes stock still razor sharp senses come alert as the roof door swings open with an ominous and he thinks right on time he's gesturing gesturing for me to follow which means i haven't been set up for an ambush yet and and they're leaping building top to building top hmm Despite his bulk, moves like a gymnast and fast, too. Well, then lead on, big fella. I'll be right behind you all the way. And 15 minutes of roof wending later. Now, that's a fairly impressive-looking craft, but there's nothing particularly familiar-looking about the design. I could be up against anyone from Hydra to George Lucas. He's heading inside now. Maybe I'll be able to, and it's a, it's a little spacecraft, it looks like. And the man takes off his hat and coat. Good Lord, he's not even human. But what is he? Definitely not a robot. An android, maybe? And remember those guys I, I 
just you know described on the front cover it was all yellow hairless well that's what this guy looks like so it's a small craft and and uh the, this mutate gets in the front seat and cap gets in the seat directly behind him and they close the hatch but that skin if it is skin looks authentic and those muscles rippling underneath curiouser and curiouser well don't dawdle on my account big fella Take me to who your leader is, whoever he is, because I just can't wait to get my hands on him. And then um, the shield agents have been trailing Cap. There they go. Man, I don't like the looks of that thing. From what Fury told me, that mild that's mild compared to some of the things they've got crawled up on file 116. Well, at least we shot that minibug onto the ship's underbelly. Don't throw a party yet, just Corrigan. According to my monitor, that ship's reading a magnetic field that's playing havoc with our reception. And it's going fast. It's going over terrain pretty fast. The skimmer sails silently, majestically through the night sky, pilot and passenger exchanging nothing save suspicious glances. Soon, they pass over the America Southwest, then cross the border into Mexico. That's a pretty far, far trip. It is, you know, I guess it's going fast, but uh, I wouldn't have expected Mexico. Yes, and this doesn't look like any resort I've been to. No. <laughs> Cap thinks to himself, what in the name of, it's a castle, and a magnificent one at that. And it seems an eerily appropriate place for some modern day Frankenstein to hide away. Frankenstein, hmm. I've certainly faced my share of self-styled mad scientists in my day. This is a really cool view. Uh, Zach's looking down on Cap as he's exiting the uh, the craft, and he's walking up to the steps and the big door of the castle. And now that I think of it, this little caper has all the earmarks of... Blazes! That door just opened by itself, on rusty hinges, no less. What's next? Thunder booming in the distance? Eerie laughter echoing from the upper floors? Bella Lugosi or Lon Chaney suddenly scampering out from the shadows? And here's the cover. Here's all those yellow hairless mutates coming from the walls. Are they coming out of the walls? Like, like melting out of the walls. And they're all surrounding Cap. These these things are literally growing out of the walls. If I hadn't been completely on the alert, ready for anything, I'd... Wait a minute, did I say out of the wall? Of course, and Cap's battling with his shield. I know now, what, without a doubt, who my old friend is. He really is milking the haunted castle cliche for all they're worth, isn't he? And then you hear in the background this evil laughter. Well, let him laugh. Because as soon as I'm done taking out this bunch of mindless mutates... I'm going to ram that laughter back down his throat until he chokes on it and he uses his shield to burst through a wooden door. And there's still laughter. All right, old friend, I'm here and I'm on to you. Now, why don't you show yourself before and the laughter dies and then the light erupts. And when the light comes on, Cap sees Arnie. He's got his eyes closed and he's standing in some sort of glass tube and it says subject Arnold Roth Arnie my god that's Arnie 
trussed up like some laboratory experiment. Then, and Cap has this look of, I don't know, it's kind of a cross of anger and fear and rage all at the same time. Please, Captain, control yourself. Do not let your emotional attachments bind you to other matters of import. It is you. Of course, who else could be the foe? if not the world's most brilliant genetic engineer, Artem Zola. Ah, but the star-spangled fool seems perplexed by my presence, dear Arnim. And so we, here we have this big page, Arnim Zola standing next to Zemo. We don't know it's Baron Zemo yet, but he's standing next to Zemo. And all these mutates behind him. And, and then behind him, that is this fantastic wall of gadgets and levers and piping and looks like something Kirby would draw. And I think Zek's kind of doing his inner Kirby here because that's the last time we saw Arnim Zola. And uh, I think it's, uh, it's a really cool page. And Zemo says, the Univorm is not, is new to you, captain, but the name now that should wrench a nerve of memory. It is a name you have besmirched for over 40 years the noble and glorious name of Zemo. And then Vermin's to his side. Why do we waste time talking masters? <clears throat> Simply give Vermin the order and Captain America will die. To be continued. Yikes. You know, I'm just missing Doughboy. I was just thinking, you know, that, uh, that full page splash, it had a lot of great, interesting characters, but no Doughboy. And I was thinking to myself, yeah, the book's great, story's great, but, you know, it can never go wrong with a little Doughboy. Well, you're going to get your, uh, you're going to get your, your wish. All right, let's get to issue 277. All right, uh, this um, is a pretty cool cover. We have Captain America chained, chained, to a wall in a dungeon dark dungeon at the top of uh it looks like uh an entranceway steps you've got zemo and zola standing in the entranceway oh and by the way if that wasn't creepy enough there are some yellow tentacles coming from off panel at captain america and it says prisoner of zemo all right same credits as before and uh, it says, in a shadow-shrouded castle somewhere in Mexico, Captain America must face his past and himself in thy image, which is the name of the title. By the way, in thy image, for all the Star Trek fans out there. Um, so in, the ima- in thy image was the pilot episode. Um, there was going to be a, a Star Trek Phase 2 series, television series in the uh, late 70s, and um, it was titled In Thy Image. Um, they ended up not doing that and ended up making um, Star Trek The Motion Picture movie instead. So I think, uh, I think Dan Mateus is paying a little honor to, uh, to Star Trek here. You are a master of color commentary, Rick. <laughs> I don't know where you pulled that one out of, but that was, uh, that was, a, that was a pearl. Well, there's this thing called the Google <laughs> you mean the interweb? I got it. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So this big uh, splash page is where we left off. Cap is standing next to Arnie Roth. 
uh, and you've got Zemo and Zola and Vermin, a whole bunch of mutates. Cap looks a little outnumbered here. And Zemo says, The look of astonishment on your face, Captain, is worth all the months of careful planning. For it is clear that you never dreamt that one who has been stalking you, the one who has kidnapped your childhood friend, Arnold Roth, and lured you here in hopes of saving him, was none other than your old enemy, Baron Zemo. That's impossible. Baron Zemo died years ago. And Zola says, And what of me, Captain? Did you also believe that Arnim Zola was dead? No. In fact, I'm surprised I didn't see your filthy hands in this sooner. Indeed, for who but the world's greatest genetic engineer could have created the things that brought you here, the creatures like vermin that have attacked you in weeks past? What do you think of my latest creations, Captain? Can you see how my skills at DNA manipulation have improved since we last met? And that would be Captain America 208 through 212 by Jack Kirby. You call this improvement, Zola? This degradation of life? Do you hear him, my pets? He doesn't like you. That isn't very nice, is it? Make him apologize. Make him grovel and scream. And all these mutates uh, start attacking him. And, and let me tell you, they, they all look different. They, uh, you, you know, before where we're they all was that uh, on that cover, right, uh, of those mutates, these, these are all completely different looking types of creatures. Um, you know, they are a little spooky. Keep them coming, Zola, because after what you've done to Arnie and his roommate, Michael, I can't wait to take these pets of yours apart and you along with them. And he's battling through with his shield. Please, Master, let Vermin be the one to kill him. Let me tear his heart out. Let me wash in his blood. No, fool. Neither you nor Zola shall have blood on your hands. Yet. Captain. We must have an end to this display of purposeless violence. If I restrain Zola's mutates, will you agree to a temporary truce? And Caps look, he looks pissed. And he's like, I don't make deals with scum like you. Then let me rephrase. Well, your dear friend will meet a grisly death. I warn you, Captain, when I want something, I'm as merciless as my father. And that really, really large mutate that uh, broke out of the shield you know, grabs Arnie's pod and threatens it. Your father? Of course. You're not the first Baron Zemo. You're his son, the Phoenix. First and last seen in Cap 168, or episode 29 of the podcast. Herr Baron prefers to be called by his true name, the name that was so honored and respected in his native Germany. All right, then, Zemo, have your temporary truce. Now, what's this all about? And they start walking down through the castle and on the halls. Do you, of all men, really have to ask such a question? Then look, Captain America, upon the faces of yesterday. Look upon my family. My childhood was idyllic. My mother was as kind a woman as ever lived. And my father, my father was a god to me. He was a brilliant man the greatest scientist in all the Third Reich, with a heart as expansive as intellect. Until you attacked Captain, until you used his own invention, the miraculous adhesive X, to permanently affix a scarlet mask to his face, you drove him mad, transformed gentility to rage, 
love to blind hatred. Zemo, your father used his genius to create weapons of destruction for the Nazis. Whatever happened to him, however tragic, was his own fault. Liar! And he backslaps Cap in the face, catching him off guard. Zemo, control yourself. Do not let passion overpower reason. You are correct, my friend. The time is not right. Cap's like thinking to himself, I do well to follow Zola's advice, too, if I have any hopes of getting Arnie and Michael out of here alive. For now, my best bet is to keep Herr Baron talking. Zemo, what happened? The last I remember, you were as dead as my father murderer? In truth, you nearly succeeded in killing me when I rose up against you and your then-partner, the Falcon. At first, I came within a hair's breadth of destroying you, but I underestimated your black lackey. And they were showing flashbacks to issue 168. Then I tried to stop you with your own shield, but it ricocheted back at me, sent me tumbling into the vat of adhesive X I had prepared at the means of your execution. Dear God, I've got to try to save him. It's too late. Too late. But I was ready for such an accident. There was a concealed escape hatch at the floor of the vat. My specially insulated suit protected me from the full force of the blistering chemicals. And he starts to take his mask off. I crawled slowly, painfully to safety. But there was one minor problem, Captain. You see, when I fell head first into that seething cauldron, and he takes off his mask, I wasn't wearing my mask! And he, his face is like grotesque. I mean, it is, it's like he's hairless, and but his entire face is like dissolved. I mean, it's almost like if you got, if you remember that, those 80 movies, uh, like the, God, what was the radioactive guy? Um, it was one of those B horror movies. Like the Toxic Avenger? Yes, yes, like that. <laughs> Right, his face is just like all melted. I mean, it's talk about creeping you out, man. As a kid, are you kidding? I mean, like stuff's like melting between his his teeth. I mean, his nose is melted off. It's like all. I mean, it's bad, guys. I'm telling you, it's bad. It's gross. You can check it out. Put the mask back on. Yes. You did this to me. You ruined my life as you ruined my father's. Cap, all he could say is. Zemo. Does this make you feel happy, monster? Does the sight of this hideous mass that is my face give you delight? Are you proud of your victory? Zemo, you, you can't believe that I ever desired such a fate for you or your father. I'm no unfeeling monster. You are an undying freak. You couldn't remain dead. No, you had to survive all those decades of suspended animation. You had to return to haunt me, to stand as a constant reminder of my family's loss and shame. And Zola holds him back. Herr Baron, please. All men, however strong, have vulnerabilities. Soft spots in their psyches that require only the slightest pressure to collapse. Captain America is no different. Words he spoke years before come back to haunt him. The Avengers revived more than an out-of-sync soldier. 
when they freed me from that iceberg. What do you mean, Steve? They revived a whole generation's hatreds. Hatreds that should have been left frozen a quarter of a century ago. And glazing into eyes twisted by those hatreds, he wonders if he can ever truly convince himself that he is blameless. It is all for the agony that you have caused him that I have joined forces with the Baron, with him who has become my first and only friend. Silence, Zola. It is for me alone to speak of my repayment. And a fitting repayment it shall be. You see, Captain, I have not been far from you since our first encounter. I have been your constant shadow. The night wind whispering at your back. And he puts his mask back on. And he hits a dial on some screens. And then some images start to appear. I have taken the time to study both the living legend and the man. And you could see he knows he's Steve Rogers. And Cap's eyes light up. So there, then we see images of Bernie and Anna and Josh and Mike and Sam. I have seen you rediscover old friends like Arnold Roth and reach out for new ones. And I have watched, sick at heart, as you have groped tentatively for a woman's love to sustain you. In recent months, I have witnessed your feeble, faltering attempts to build a normal life for Steve Rogers. A life as simple as and blissfully ordinary as the one I knew as a child. I have no grandiose plans, Captain. Ruling the world, reviving the Third Reich, these things hold no appeal for me. My concerns are more personal. I want to destroy Steve Rogers. I want to deny him the happiness, the love, the normalcy that has been denied me. And I have the means to do it. Erzola, if you will. And just then, Arnim Zola, with... Uh, who, well, we thought was Arnim Zola, starts to transform. With pleasure, my dear friend. How good is your memory, Captain? How well do you remember your first meeting with Arnim Zola and his shape-shifting creation, Doughboy? There he is, Bob. Yes! Doughboy. Yes! Do you recall? And, and by the way, if you don't know what Doughboy looks like, he looks exactly what he sounds like. <laughs> he is... He is a uh, uh, figure made out of dough and uh, it's bad it's just it's yellow it's globby uh it, he makes let's put it, he makes dc's clayface look like a handsome man that's true do you recall how zola forced another of his organic servants to merge with doughboy he was the cre- one creature out of thousands who dared to feel to think the one named Primus. And so here we are uh, to a, uh, a uh, this guy looks more like a man. Uh, he's yellow still, um, bald, hairless, but in, uh, but he's, he looks, has all the features of a man. Yes, Captain, it is Primus, who has been Zemo's alley in all this, not my accursed master. Although united with Doughboy, I used my greater intelligence to take control of him to escape the fiery explosion which made ruin of Zola's castle back in issue 212. It was there, those ruins, that I first encountered my friend Zemo, searching for clues to the master's whereabouts, hoping to enlist Zola in his crusade against you. I convinced Zemo that I would be a far better ally, for not even the great Arnim Zola can do 
this. And he transforms into Steve Rogers. Like, looks exactly like Steve Rogers. He doesn't have any clothes, but he looks like Steve Rogers. And Cap freaks out. He yells, that, that's me. What are you planning, Zemo? What are you up to? Isn't it obvious, Captain? Primus is going out into the world to take your place. In the coming weeks, he will do all he can to soil, to infect, to eat away at the very foundations of the new life you have built. The devil he will. This is my life, you maniac. You haven't the right. And he goes and, the, and starts to fight uh, Primus as Steve Rogers, who has put on some clothes by now. Since when have you considered rights? You who have sought out so-called evil, judged it guilty? And he hits Cap. And Cap's thinking, what's wrong with me? Why can't I dodge? Feel so strange. And destroyed it? Without once considering the ramifications of your actions? Well done, Primus. Well done. And he knocks Cap down. No, you're twisting the truth. I I've only done what I've had to do. I've only... And he falls unconscious. Fade to black. Interlude. So here we are at Bennett Advertising. As you can see, Mr. Bennett, the coalition has a lot riding on this morality and media campaign. And you want Bennett Advertising to handle everything, Mr. MacArthur? We're hardly a major concern. You're small, but your work stands out above the crowd. It's your care and craftsmanship we're after, Bennett. And he shows him the sign that he, that he created, which had Captain America, and it says, America as it once was, America as it could be again. Then I'll do it, MacArthur, if I can get the particular artist I have in mind. You see, there's a young man I owe a favor. Sheila, get me Steve Rogers on the phone. Interlude ends. So we're back in Mexico. Remember the cover I told you where Cap was uh, chained up to a wall in, in a kind of a dungeon? Well, here we are. But chained up next to him is Vermin. And then on two, looks like cement tables in front of him is Michael laying there unconscious and Arnie laying conscious on their backs. The Cap's saying in a, He's like, oh, I feel like I've been hit by an artillery shell. What's Vermin doing here? And and up from above, looking down, is Zemo. Ah, you awakened at last. I trust the drug Primus surreptitiously injected you while you struggled didn't have any painful side effects. The man rat has served his purpose. I've had enough of his foul smell and manner. He will share your grisly fate. And Arnie and Michael, what about them? Must they share my fate as well? Captain, they are your fate. My dear friend Primus, who has now left us to start his life as Steve Rogers, knew much of the real Arnim Zola's work. Together we have improved upon it. We are now able to transfer a man's consciousness directly into a mutate body. And that's just what I've done with your precious Arnie and Michael. Of course, they will be slightly disoriented in their new forms. Why, Zemo? Why do you have to drag them into this? Can't you just kill me and be done with it? I'm going to hurt you, Captain, as you hurt me, my mother, and my beloved father. Your friends will rise up, reborn as the sons of Zemo. And in the name of Zemo, they will strike you down. Unless, of course, 
and our sanguinary friend Vermin should destroy them first. Ah, here they are now, pained, confused, and ready for blood. And bursting in through a door are these two mutates, heavily armored, um, but the only thing that's really exposed is their brains. And, and you would think that would be sort of an important thing to armor. I mean, if you're going to armor anything, right, Rick? Yeah, we talked about this before, right? Was it, um, <laughs> was it the, the uh, Deathlock Lives issue, I think? I think. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah. yeah. Zach likes to draw the brain, man. Like, yeah. he, he has a lot of – but this, this, though, is pivotal to the story. Demetrius yeah. wrote it this way for a reason. <clears throat> so they, they're huge, and they burst in. And uh, uh, Zemo says, you are certainly faced with an interesting set of problems, Captain. I look forward to seeing what you come up with in terms of an equally interesting solution. And so um, these uh, huge mutates start to, to attack and they pound the wall, but Cap moves, even though he's shackled. I don't doubt these creatures really are Michael and Arnie. Zemo and Primus have pulled this consciousness transfer stunt before in issue 270. Although I wasn't aware that it was them at the time, and it almost cost Michael his life. No, it isn't fair. I served the masters well. Why have they betrayed me? Vermin's in a blind frenzy, ripping those rusty chains right out of the wall. And now that the effects the drug have worn off, I can do the same, and he rips out the chains. That was the easy part. Zemo wants us free. He knows that whatever action I take will be the wrong action, because the real solution lies in freeing Arnie and Michael's minds. So he's running around trying to avoid being uh, crushed. But the only way I can do that is by getting to Zemo himself. And that's where Vermin comes in. In his present state, angry, ashamed, his savagery at the fore. The man rat is going to lash out the nearest representations of the masters who turned against him. I'll be so busy keeping him from them and protecting myself at the same time. I'll never be able to get to Zemo. And he, and he does. The vermin's about to, to, to uh, attack one of them and he he grabs vermin and, and pulls him back but just then one of the the other mutates grabs cap blast it my attention was so focused on vermin that i've allowed myself to get caught these mutate bodies are incredibly strong another few blows like that one and i'll be finished only vulnerable spots are their brains and even if i break free strike there arnie and michael michael will die and then uh, Vermin jumps up on the one who's about to pummel Cap. We have been enemies before, Captain, and we'll be enemies again. But for today, at least, we are allies. Zemo shall not have this victory he so craves. Vermin, no. I beg you. Don't do it. And Vermin just slashes one of the exposed brains. And the mutate falls. And Michael, on the table, wakes up and screams. Oh, Lord. Michael just spasmed and shrieked as a mutate body toppled. That must have been the one with his consciousness in it. And now the other one's collapsing as if... And just then, Arnie wakes up and he screams, Yeah! And for a minute, that seems to Cap to stretch out into eternity. Arnold Roth lies deathly still. Then, finally... His eyelids flutter. He raises his trembling head. Arnie, old friend, are, are you all right? Forget about me, Steve. 
Michael's dead. My Michael's dead. And you just stood there and let it happen. And Zemo's still at the top looking down. Look, Steve Rogers, upon the face of your oldest, dearest friend, and see the hatred reflected there. Oh, his initial anger will pass, but from this day on, he will never see with untainted eyes again. And this is but the first of your life unraveling, Steve Rogers. The first of many. And so we cut to uh, Bernadette. Bernie's uh, getting uh, her purse, and she's walking up the steps to her apartment. And she's thinking to herself, Bernadette Rosenthal, you've got to clean this pocketbook one of these days. It's getting so a team of archaeologists couldn't find your keys in this mess. You look perturbed, gorgeous. Do you think I could help? Steve, Steve, you're back. Obviously. But when that Runciter woman called you away on business, I thought I wouldn't see you again for days, maybe weeks. Wild horses couldn't keep me away from you, Bernie. Oh, Steve, and he comes up and embraces her. I've got plans for us, my darling. Big plans. To be continued. Uh, that, that, I'll tell you, that Primus, he, he cuts a fine uh, jib, you know? He, he can really play the part, Rick. I, uh, I was just thinking to myself, like, you know, in a comic book, you got guys uh, pretending to be other guys all the time. But, you know, it does require that you suspend the imagination a bit, right? Because clearly, if I was going to pretend to be you, Rick, uh, I would have to know what conversation you had with your dear sweet one yesterday. Because if you were going to pretend to be me, my wife would be asking you exactly what she said yesterday. And that, uh, that deceit would end quite, quite quickly. So, Well, that's a great point. I mean, when we had our conversation with... Um... Uh, De Mateus back in episode 13, um, he pointed out, he's like, of course, Bernie's going to recognize that Steve as Captain America. He said, like, listen, if, if, if I was out and about with my wife and I put on a costume and put on a mask and she saw me and heard me talking, she, she, she knows me, you know? So, um, so yeah, it totally makes sense. Um, now this is our last issue, 278. And it is Captain America uh, launching. Uh, in the background, we see Zemo's face, and we see the castle, uh, and we see fire burning underneath, and we see his friend Arnie crying. Something bad's happened here because Cap says, Zemo, you've pushed me too far. Uh-oh. That's a great. That's a great pose too. By the way, I like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Cap and needs business. He does. Uh, so this one um, uh, for two seventy eight um, has a cover date of February nineteen eighty three. Uh, same crew: uh, De Mateus, Zach Beatty, Sharon Morelli, Grunwald. This one's titled, Oh, Thus Be It Ever. So, Bob, where, where does Oh, Thus Be It Ever come from? Do you know? I, you know, I, I'm drawing a blank on that one. Right? Oh, Bob. It's from the Star Spangled Banner. Is it really? It is. So, I mean, the Star Spangled Banner, 
it's like the fourth verse or what? Uh, it's it's the fourth stanza. Yeah, stanza. yeah. Well, when when we sing a song, we only do the first one. Right. Um, most of us don't know that. Um, we're bad Americans, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, lack of patriotism. Yeah, no, no, right? be pissed. Yeah, oh, we, my language, language people. Yeah. Burnside would be very unhappy about it. Yeah, no, it's the beginning of the fourth stanza of the of the uh, Star Spangled Banner. Oh, thus be it ever, when freemen shall stand between their loved homes and the war's desolation. All, All right, right, folks, that's his audition tape for the Super Bowl next year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, we were back where we left off, and Arnie's uh, basically telling Steve, he's dead. Michael's dead, Cap, and you just stood there and let it happen. In a shadow-haunted castle somewhere in Mexico, death has reached out its bony hand and driven a wedge between two old and dear friends. There's so much Captain America wants to say to Arnie Roth, but for once, words escape him, and he can only stare. And remember, 48 hours earlier, a mammoth mutate had kidnapped Arnie, and his roommate, Michael, from S.H.I.E.L.D. Manhattan headquarters. They were the bait meant to lure Cap into the waiting arms of the orchestrator of this discordant symphony of vengeance. The son of Baron Zemo. Zemo blamed the S.H.I.E.L.D. slinger for his villainous father's death, the collapse of his family, and his own grotesque disfigurement. Aided by the creature called Primus, who revealed to Zemo the hidden secrets of genetic engineer Arnanzola, the new Baron began his two-pronged plan to destroy the private life of Steve Rogers, the man behind Captain America's mask. First, the shape-shifting Primus was sent out into the world to take Rogers' place. Then, Arnie and Michael's minds were transferred into two mutate bodies. The man-rat named Vermin did the rest. You could have stopped Vermin from killing that thing Michael was trapped inside of. You could have stopped him, but you didn't. Why didn't you blast it? Why didn't you? Arnie, Arnie, please. Listen to me. I tried. Lord, no, I tried, but I was beaten, dazed. and I, I couldn't move fast enough to... Don't touch me. I, I thought you were my friend. I thought I could trust you, but I can't. He passed out. The strain of having his consciousness phased from his body to that mutates and back again was too much for him. Exactly, Captain. But when he awakens, his newborn hatred will be no less vibrant. He will never forgive you for what you have done. Never. Zemo. Yes, Captain. Shout that name. Let it ring so loudly that even in death my mother and father can hear it. Let them know they did not suffer in vain. Their child has avenged them. I had hoped to keep you alive, Captain, so that you could witness, from a distance at least, Primus's desecration of your identity. But I realize now that every free moment is pregnant with the potential for escape, and that I cannot allow. So I think you shall die, dear Captain, but die knowing that even after your passing, the fate of Steve Rogers and all those he holds dear will still be in Zemo's hands. And then he has a sinister laugh. And what of me, master? Must your loyal servant vermin stand and die beside your most hated enemy? Master! Save your breath, vermin. He's gone. Only his pets have stayed behind. 
And then we see Arnie. Oh, no, 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 no. And all those mutates start converging. Consciousness returns to Arnie Roth, and he instantly wishes it hadn't. Better, he thinks, to have died unknowing than live face to face with this. But even as more and more mutates swarm over them, crawling, skittering, loping forth from half a dozen hidden panels and passageways, the thoughts of final defeat never enters Captain America's mind, concerned more with the safety of his childhood friend than with his own survival. The living legend fights furiously, eyes alight with an uncustomarily savage fire. A fire of a different kind lights vermin's eyes as taking advantage of the chaos. The man rat slips unnoticed through one of the recently opened tunnels. Arnie, don't worry. I'll get you out of this. If I have to kill every last one of these monsters with my bare hands, I'll get you out. It looks kind of hopeless, old buddy, but I know you'll try. Just like I know you tried to help Michael. I'm sorry for what I said before, Cap. I was just aiming my anger at the nearest target. I... Wait a minute. Cap, Steve, there's something I remember, beginning to remember, something important. Oh my gosh, Steve, you gotta stop fighting them. Arnie, have you lost your senses? No, as hazy and confused as things were when I was in that awful body, I, I locked into kind of a group consciousness, a, a mind link with all of Zemo's creatures. They aren't just soulless creations grown from chemicals in some mad scientist's lab. Like vermin, they're, they're all men, Steve, mutated by Zemo and Primus. They're innocent victims. You can't kill them. Arnie sounds so blasted sure of what he's saying, but he still be dazed, delirious from that consciousness transfer. Yet, even if he is delirious, that doesn't mean he isn't right. Whatever their origin, these mutates have been as victimized by Zemo as we have. They don't understand what it's not to follow his orders, not to serve his every whim. But all beings, man or mutate, have the right to be free. And if I can just make them understand that. But first order of business is to leap back, move myself momentarily out of their grasp. Now, if I put down my shield, make them see that I don't want to fight. Yes, they're pausing uncertain, wondering what I'll do next. If I'm ever going to get through to them, now's the time. Hear me, please, before you take another step, before you exact another death in Zemo's name, hear what I have to say. I've watched you all carefully. I've seen intelligence in your actions. I've seen loyalty in your ranks. And even so, I allowed your appearances to repel me. I allowed myself to think you as monsters. I was wrong. You're not monsters. What I see reflected so clearly in your eyes right now proves that to me. But if you're not monsters, why are you allowing yourself to be treated as monsters? Why are you being bending knee to an angry, demented man who cares nothing for you? Perhaps Zemo's genetic manipulations have twisted your bodies, but he can never twist your hearts. Join me. Reach out for your own destinies. Throw off the yoke of the monster and rise up as free men. For 30 heart-stopping seconds, the mass of mutates stare, silent, breathless, as if weighing the words of this strange star-spangled orator. And then, holy cow, Cap, they're cheering. They're cheering. 
That's one of the biggest gambles I've ever taken, Arnie. And without you, I'd never dared it. Thanks. Oh, uh, don't mention it. Now let's get that bum Zemo. We'll do just that in a moment. But we're taking Michael with us. We're not sure exactly what Zemo did to him during the mind transfer process. For all we know, Michael may not be dead. But in some bizarre state simulating death. But that sounds so impossible. To man who spent decades floating un unaged in an iceberg, nothing is impossible. And so watching all of this from another room is Zemo. Gott in Himmel! Is that swine's life as blessed as my own is cursed? His friend still clings to him like a loyal puppy. And those shambling freaks became a veritable army at his back. I've had enough. He cannot wrench this victory from my grasp. Captain America must die. And he goes and reaches for a rifle. And this, the very death ray designed and built by my father during the glorious wall, should be the weapon of his execution. But wait, what am I saying? I am sorely outnumbered. To remain now would be to embrace certain defeat. I cannot let my lust for vengeance cloud my judgment. I must flee the castle, seek out Primus. He remains the key to my plan, the puppet through whom I shall utterly destroy. And up as he's raising a door to escape on the other side, Steve Rogers? It's Omer, Zemo. And Arnie says, it's not over yet, Cap. Not until I do this. And he punches out Baron Zemo. The Baron falls, and his subjects exult. So all the mutates start running over his body, wellsprungs of long suppressed, suppressed frustration, hatred, and dark joy come bubbling to the surface. As the mutates seek to tear down all vestiges of Zemo's rule, all symbols of their servitude, it is an outpouring of naked violence, both frightening and all too human. How about that line? That line's something else there. All yeah, these mutates are all destroying stuff. And DeMatteis writes, it's an outpouring of naked violence, both frightening and all too human. Very, uh... You know, it's, you know, it's, you had to go back a couple issues, right? To that, to that event in the park, right? That protest in the park, really? Because... Really, the roots of that is the demonization, the dehumanization, right? The othering. And uh, he's, he's showing that, but in a different way, in a, in, a, in a much more glaring, obvious way. But the same lessons apply. I mean, it's masterful writing. It really is. Arnie says, wow, they're going berserk. Maybe we should try to calm them down before we get wrecked with the castle. I don't think we have anything to worry about. After all, they've suffered. The mutates need this release to hold on. Do you hear something? Sounds like shouting. People running in from the outer chamber. Holy cow, Steve, what the heck is going on? Who is that? And here we see the, the shield troopers coming to Cap's rescue. It's Agent Runciter and, she, and, and a shield commando squad. How in haze did they get here? And they're they're firing away and they're 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 shooting and killing the mutates don't worry cap as soon as we plow through these monstrosities we'll have you and your friends in the clear runciter you fool stop 
stop. And he goes and he, and he grabs a couple of shield agents. Call off your men, blast it. And he grabs Runciter by the shoulders. Cap, what's the matter? Why are you? Didn't you hear me, idiot? Unless you want a massacre on your conscience. Call them off. One does not argue with a living legend, especially an angry one. And so, Sanderson, Abramowitz, break off attack. Repeat, break off attack. Soon later, Runstetter says, So you see, we shot a mini-bug onto that ship you were off on, and, and after we managed to override the magnetic field jamming our signal, we got a fix on your position, and Colonel Fury ordered us in. I, I didn't know when we last spoke that Science Branch had turned up an alarming parallel between the creature that attacked you and File 116, the Arnim Zola file. You can understand why the colonel didn't want to take any chances. Cap, are you listening to me? No. I'm a bit more concerned with the welfare of those mutates than your lame excuse. And then Arnie notices, Cap, hey, Cap. What is it, Arnie? What's wrong? It's Zemo, Cap. He's gone. And so... That little uh, spacecraft that we saw before, uh, the two-seater, it's now jetting away from the uh, the castle. And we hear Zemo thinking, How thoughtful of those shield buffoons to time their blundering arrival with my return to consciousness. Their interruption made it an easy matter to steal down to my underground hangar and freedom. There is yet time for me to reach Primus and salvage something of my original plan. Yet, with S.H.I.E.L.D.'s direct involvement, they may not be the wisest course. Perhaps it's best to leave the wretched mutate to fate's caprices and... Zemo. And coming from behind him, he hears his name. And Zemo, as he's piloting the, uh, the aircraft, he turns around and says, Who in the name of... And it's Vermin. And Vermin roars. And then we cut to the outside of the ship and it's zigzagging all over the place as Zemo screams. Uh-oh. Looks like Zemo's getting his upcomings. He'll be back. Some would say, like the Phoenix. <laughs> or just like Baron Zemo. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's the next day. We're in Brooklyn. And apparently uh, Henry Miller called it the, quote, city of the dead, near dead, and the deader than dead. But we're at a diner. and But to many, it's still a worthy place to make a home, build a life, fall in love. So there's Bernie and Primus as Steve sitting at a booth. And Bernie says, oh, Steve, last night was so much fun. I felt like I was 17 again, just riding around in my car all night, chattering away till dawn. I must have really chewed your ear off. You hardly said a word. I like to listen. It's the only way to learn. Oh, and did you learn anything new about me? I learned that you are a woman whose soul is as beautiful as her body, whose words are full of intuit intuitive wisdom, whose enough, Primus. Now get your hand away from her before I rip it off. Now, Primus. Now. And there's Cap standing there and Bernie's looking up and she looks confused and the caption reads well only say this once you must not miss next issue 
Okay, you've been warned. Well, you're going to have to catch it at another podcast because this story is over for us. Oh, yeah. But you do want to read that next issue because it's a, it's a, it's a good one. It is. I highly recommend it. And we do offer extra credit if you read it and do a book report and send it in. We'll, uh, give yeah, you yeah. You know what? You can reach to us on the Captain America Comic Book Fans Facebook group, and uh, or you can give us a call. Uh, go onto our anchor page and leave us a message. Um, but uh, what'd you think of this story? You know, this is uh, like I said uh, you know, at the beginning, Rick. This is, I mean, you know, we we're reading it, and we're you know, we've read this story a number of times. You know, we're older guys. We're you know, we're wise, right, uh, and experienced. Uh, but I, you know, I think about like reading this when I was much younger, and these these are these are complex issues, right? I mean, whether you're talking about the you know the neo Nazis, whether you're talking about you know Arnie's relationship with Michael. Um, you know, this was back in the eighties. Right. Uh, and I mean, this is genetic engineering. These are, these are really revenge, tough, tough subjects for, uh, preteens, teens, yeah. young mm-hmm. adults to, to, to wrestle with. And I think, you know, I just think Demetrius did a great job sort of weaving those in, uh, in a way to really teach some valuable lessons as well as entertain. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, it was, uh, it's a, there were so many levels to the story. Um, and, uh, and, and of course, you know, we're not doing the art justice. I mean, uh, Zach and, and Beatty did a, a fantastic job, you know, with these fantastical creatures, um, with these, the mutates, uh, the castle, the angles, the actions, lots of action scenes, some tender moments, um, you know, uh, just, uh, you know, fantastic job. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, uh, and, and I think the biggest thing from this, um, is, you know, Demetrius brought back Zemo, right. He made him relevant. I mean, he, he made him, uh, to me, uh, you know, like helmet Zemo has quite surpassed, uh, Heinrich Zemo, uh, as a major cap villain. And, um, if you have your pen and paper handy, uh, I I highly recommend you go to uh, episode nine, which is our top ten Captain America villains, not named the Red Skull, because we all know he'd be number one. And um, you're we get into Zemo uh, in there, and I'm not going to give it away where he ranks, um, but let's just say it's pretty high. <laughs> yeah, that's. It's, it's, it's between one and 10. Uh, we can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> you know, it's the great. Thing, the thing about Zemo is, uh, you know, it's, he's such a complex villain, right? Because, you know, like he, I mean, he's, he's gone on obviously uh, to grow and evolve in, in different ways. Um, but I just, I love the fact that uh, in this arc, at least he's very much focused on, he's, he's not trying to reestablish the third Reich. He's not trying to take over the world. He just wants revenge, you know? And I think that there's a purity to that motive that makes him intriguing because he is psychologically damaged. Um, It's just, it's fascinating. Yeah. And how about that face? Yikes. (laughs) All right. So let me give a little plug for the next episode, but it's actually going to be the next two episodes, Bob, because it's an extra long story and we want to break it up into two episodes. 
And I know what you're thinking right now. Well, Rick, uh, we're listening to this one and it seems to be super long. <laughs> Sorry. We, 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 I don't know. We got off on tangents. Uh, hopefully you're, you're still listening, but, but anyway, um, the, the Bob Falcon and winter soldier, um, introduced to, uh, fans who have not familiar with the comics to a character by the name of Isaiah Bradley. And uh, it was revealed that he was an early super soldier uh, back in World War II. Um, and some bad things were done to him. Um, so there was a story, and this is based on the, the comic book, uh, called The Truth, Red, White, and Black. And uh, I think, when, when did this come out? Like 2007, I want to say? 2007, I think, yeah. Okay. And um, it's a seven-issue miniseries. We're going to do the next two episodes, and we're going to break it up, uh, episode 33 and episode 34. We'll break up those seven issues. Um, but a lot of people want to hear this story and um, uh, because they're, they're, they're unfamiliar with the character, and it's a compelling story. And it's a hard story. It, it's, um, it does some retconning. Uh, so if you're a truest, uh, you need to have a, uh, an open attitude, but, uh, I think it's a story that's worth hearing and it's difficult to find, um, because, uh, I think they maybe made a hardcover. Um, those are long out of print, um, and tr try finding the individual issues right now. They're going for a mint. Um, and so you had, you had two copies, you have your copies and then you sent me some copies. Uh, so now I can read it. So um, we're, uh, we're going to go through those and, um, and that's going to be uh, a really uh, cool story. And we, um, we look forward to, um, to talking about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, it's amazing to me. Um, you know, I, I, I picked those up years ago and, uh, and I know a lot of folks did, but uh, a lot of folks hadn't heard of, of that particular miniseries. Uh, but the interest in the character really uh, skyrocketed with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and uh, and rightfully so. It's really it's it's a compelling story, and uh, and you know, and I, I think it deserves to be heard, deserves to be uh, discussed, and and I think you know, as we'll talk about in the show, you know, Isaiah has some progeny that has uh, you know his son and his his grandson that have uh, sort of been in their own series and may become more popular and more relevant for the cinematic universe, at least. And, uh, and so I think it's, it's cool to sort of look where those stories began with uh, Isaiah himself. Yep. So we will cover those over the next two episodes. So uh, Bob, as always has been uh, a thrill wrapping cap with you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This was, uh, this was fun, Rick. And uh there were, there were some stumbles along the way, my friend, but uh, we made it through. <laughs> All right. He's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbonis. And you've been listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast.